Hey everybody, welcome in to the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. As always, I'm your host, Connor Newcomb, bringing you episode 9 of the revamped pod here in 2020, as today it will be another one of our player preview series. We hope you enjoyed yesterday's episode as we previewed Brandon Bailey, the Orioles' right-handed pitcher who they picked up in the Rule 5 draft in December, Dominic Catronio, who called Bailey starts in A with the Astros in Corpus Christi last year, joined us yesterday to talk about Bailey, so you can go back and check that one out. And of course, back on Monday and Tuesday of this week, we had Michael Lear from the Aberdeen Ironbirds on to look back on who stood out in 2019 in Aberdeen at the Orioles' short-season single-A affiliate. But today we will go to John Means, and we're going to be joined by Nathan Ruiz, one of the Orioles' beat writers from the Baltimore Sun, as he's written a lot about Means in the past, and he is going to talk about the Orioles' left-handed ace with us. But before we do that, a little bit of Orioles news coming out, or at least Orioles-adjacent news for some of it yesterday on Wednesday. Of course, first of all, there were the two roster moves that were made last week, which we talked about in which the Orioles ended up putting Stevie Wilkerson and Brandon Klein both on waivers. Both were DFA'd last week. Of course, Pat Vileka came in from one of those moves, and we talked about him last Friday with Jake Shapiro. Vileka, who should compete for a spot in the Orioles' infield, or at least to be one of the utility guys this year, and then they claimed the right-hander Travis Lakins as well when they DFA'd Stevie Wilkerson. However, Klein and Wilkerson both clearing waivers, not completely surprising. Obviously, Klein really struggled in what was his first pretty much full big league season last year. He was up and down, but he made a good amount of appearances out of the bullpen. But he did really struggle and not a big surprise that he was not claimed. For Wilkerson, obviously brings good defense, can play a lot of positions, and he can pitch as we've seen. But the bat really wasn't there for Stevie last year and another reason why. Not super surprising that he was not claimed on waivers as well. So the two of them back with Baltimore, and the two of them will get spring training non-roster invites to try and make it back to the big league ball club. And the final thing, Orioles adjacent, you may want to close your ears for this one, but Ubaldo Jimenez, he has signed a minor league deal with a spring training invite with the Colorado Rockies. Of course, that's when he had the best years of his career was in Colorado, and Ubaldo Jimenez is going to get another shot at pitching in the big league, so we'll make sure to keep an eye on that, of course, a name that Orioles fans probably don't like to hear, but he could be, if he pitches well, back in the big leagues this year. But we'll flip from a pitcher that Orioles fans probably don't like to a guy that Orioles fans probably really like at this point and has brought some some clarity to the rotation, somebody who can go out there every fifth day and, and was the Orioles' only all-star last year. That is the left-hander. John Means, and today our John Means preview episode here on the Locked On Orioles podcast. The 26-year-old lefty who the Orioles picked in the 11th round back in 2014 out of West Virginia had a great 2019, 155 innings, a 3.60 ERA, 121 Ks to just 38 walks for him. Of course, he was the only Orioles all-star selection. He did struggle in the second half. Remember, he had a 2.50 first-half ERA. That second half ERA was 4.85 after the All-Star break, and it was over 5 in both July and August. However, 
He had a 3.82 ERA in September as he started to pull things back together, and hopefully that leads to more success in 2020 when you can pretty much guess he'll be the Orioles' opening day starter on March 26th, probably dueling against Garrett Cole and that vaunted New York Yankee lineup. But to help us break down the 2019 All-Star season for John Means and look forward to his Orioles career, we are joined by Nathan Ruiz, Orioles beat reporter for the Baltimore Sun, as we talk John Means on this player preview episode. So we are joined here by Nathan Ruiz, one of the Orioles beat writers for the Baltimore Sun. And Nathan, thanks for taking some time today to talk John Means here on the podcast. Yeah, happy to do it. So I I want to start with just obviously John Means last year, kind of a part of our player preview series for 2020, and he was the one and only Orioles All-Star. And you had a good article about him right before the All-Star game last year about how surprising you know it was for him to make that All-Star team and how he almost didn't believe it. And kind of getting to see him around the clubhouse and talking to him a lot. I know you've written several articles about him. Is that just kind of his personality where – where it almost didn't seem real for him that, that he was selected as the Orioles only all-star last year. Yeah. He was, a, he's a really laid back guy and he was a guy who, you know, started the season on the Orioles roster, but didn't expect to, he, he spent every cut day of spring training thinking he was next. And, and he's a guy whose background kind of explains that you mentioned the article I wrote and it kind of details all the different steps he took to reaching that all-star status. And he was a guy who had to change high schools in order to get playing time and make the varsity team. He was a guy who went to junior college, and even there he only made the starting rotation because someone else got in trouble. Uh, he only got noticed by West Virginia University's coaching staff because they were at an event uh, trying to recruit someone else. So he, his whole career and step ladder has kind of just been break after break after break, and then he finally gets an opportunity in the major leagues and obviously put in a ton of work over the offseason to get where he was. Um, and and he, he makes the Orioles roster. He pitches great out of the bullpen, gets moved to the rotation. He's a guy who I think – Every step of the way, he was surprised. You know, he was um, – obviously, he went out there with hopes of pitching well, but I don't think he expected to do what he wanted to do, and now he wants to be better in 2020. Yeah, you talked about that, him wanting to be, be better. As You just wrote an article about him saying, you know, he, he graded his season as a B-minus last year, 155 innings. He had a three six zero ERA. He was a little up and down in the second half, but what did he make it seem like if he did why, you know, it was a, a B-minus grade, and, and what does he feel like he needs to improve on in 2020? Well, I think if you, you if you look at him in the scope of what the Orioles got out of most of their pitchers this year, it's clearly – it feels like a low grade, but more often than not, John Means is going out there and, you know, pitching five innings, giving up two runs, which, you know, from an Orioles standpoint is a quality start. But if you're looking at, um, you know, a, a Max Scherzer, Clayton Kershaw year after year after year success, um, John Means wants to be that kind of pitcher. And so I think what he saw was he needs to be able to pitch deeper into games. There's a lot of outings where he would um, be in that 90 pitch mark through five innings and Brandon Hyde would shut him down for the day. So I think he's looking to get a little deeper into games, work on his breaking ball some more. Obviously, I think part of his issues in the second half were that teams were starting to pick up on that changeup a little bit because he was so heavily relying on it. And it was a pitch that obviously made him really effective and it was one of the best changeups in baseball. But it, I think he's something. It's something where he's trying to diversify his repertoire a little bit and work on that slider and curveball a little more. And, and so, yeah, I think he sees himself as uh, a, as the pitcher he was in the first half, but being a guy who can who can be a 200 inning workhorse. You know, I think he he's probably a little disappointed with that. He dealt with some some arm injuries um, early in the second half and had to spend some time on the injured list. But I think 
um, his goal is to be a 200 inning workhorse pitcher for this pitching staff and, and, and grow into that and be a guy who's at the forefront of, of when the rebuild is, is starting to pay dividends, be a guy who's leading that rotation. Yeah, you talked about first half versus second half. That was really the big thing for Means last year. I mean, he had a 2.50 ERA in in 83 innings in the first half, and then that second half ERA was 4.85 in just over 72 innings. You talked about guys picking up on the changeup a little bit. You know, you're you're somebody who's pretty much watching him every start last year. You know, what did it did it look like? It was just that changeup, or maybe maybe a little fatigue or what did you think was was happening to him it was really in in July and August when he was getting hit around a bit last year yeah I think you mentioned the fatigue aspect I think that was you know a big part of the reason he ended up on the IL was was that his arm was bothering him and he he, I remember him saying at the time that you know uh, 200 minor league innings doesn't compare to 200 major league innings it's totally different um how how it scales out and so, but you look at most of the damage done came right out of the all-star break. You don't know if, if he got a layoff or I know he had some mechanical issues he was really working on, but after those first five starts out of the all-star break, he had like an eight, eight, three, four ERA in those first five starts. And then from then on, I think he really only had one rough outing, uh, gave up five runs at the Tigers um, in one of his last few outings. But for the most part, from that point on, he, I mean, I think looking at it right now, his last eight starts get a 3.26 ERA and obviously that's not as good as 2.50, but I, I think he's a guy who, who really learned how to pitch and, and needed to have those struggles. Obviously, he spent his whole minor career having some struggles and being a pitcher who, who didn't get that all-star notoriety coming up through the system, but he's a guy who I think is constantly learning. He's still relatively young, obviously not as young as maybe um, you would hope that a, a star young pitcher would be or an all-star young pitcher would be, but he's part of this group that's that's not so much young but inexperienced, and he's on a pitching staff that I think has a lot of guys that now can look to him and say, I want to be like John Meese. I want to see how he bounced back from a few rough starts and got better. Cause there were a lot of times where there were, there were a lot of Orioles this season who had a few rough outings that didn't necessarily bounce back the way that John Means did at the end of the year. And I think John Means is a really interesting case, not only because he, he's the Orioles only all-star last year, but he's obviously an old regime guy drafted in 2014 and finally made his way up to the big leagues. And, when you think about the Orioles and pitching right now, you're thinking about, you know, what's going to be here in 2021, 2022 and Rodriguez and DL Hall. But it's almost interesting to have a guy that, you know, Dan Duquette drafted back in 2014, come up and be the guy who's going to be the Orioles number one as they kind of bridge to maybe getting back to relevance. And and can that help some of these a little bit older pitchers in the minors see that, you know, there, there's still room for them too to make an impact at the big league level? Yeah, I mean, Michael Elias has said that th- there's more in the cupboard than he thought when he was coming here. I mean, you mentioned D.L. Hall and Grayson Rodriguez. Those two guys are, are uh, Dan Duquette's last two first-round picks. And so, obviously, there, there's more in this farm system than they thought. Obviously, you add an Adley Rutschman to it, and that's, that's what pushed it up the, the prospect rankings. But there's, there's pieces here, and like you mentioned, I think people can look to John Means and say, hey, how did he do this? What did he do to – to improve his changeup, to make that such a devastating pitch? How did he add velocity? What did he do to take himself from not being effectively a non-prospect to being a guy who in his mid-20s broke out and became an all-star in his rookie year? Um, I know David Hess is a guy who went um, and went to the same facility and did some work with them at P3 in St. Louis and did some stuff this offseason with them. But like you said, I think he's a guy who who can serve in his example. That's what you want is guys who can step up and in this time both provide excitement for fans but also provide an example for some of those pitchers in the minor leagues and players in the minor leagues and say this is how you can make an impact at this level like he's he's said repeatedly John Means has he wouldn't have gotten that that opportunity with any other team if he's in any of the other 29 organizations in Major League Baseball he's probably not on the opening day roster and he's not 
eventually, you know, pitching in the all-star game. So he, or he, well, he didn't pitch in the all-star game, but making the all-star team. Um, so yeah, he's a guy who I think, like you said, serves as a great example of guys of, Hey, get this opportunity and take advantage of it. Hans Alberto did the same thing. Uh, Renato Nunez, Anthony Santander. There's a lot of guys last year. And I think John means is the most clear one on the pitching side. And, and for his last season, obviously he earned his way to the all-star game. As you said, it was disappointing a little bit for Orioles fans to, to not see him pitch, but he had that great first half and struggled a little bit in the second half. But I think his, his most interesting split and kind of to me his craziest split was the home road splits last year for him a 274 ERA at home and a 486 ERA on the road so does he look at it or do you look at it as a positive that wow he had a ERA under 3 at a ballpark like Camden Yards or more of a negative that you know he was really getting hit around on the road at times well, it's such like an interesting split because he is a fly ball pitcher and Camden Yards is notably not a fly ball park uh, so I think, it, you know, some of it's just you, you catch a good break and you have a good outing here and there. Um, maybe he just is – there's something about it where it works out for him. Uh, it's not something that he, he reads in too much. Uh, I, I don't think he tries to make too much of the ballpark. I don't think he necessarily pitches any differently on the home, at home or on the road. Um, it is definitely an interesting number that he ends up with. I think uh, Mike Mussina was the only Orioles pitcher since Camden Yards opened to have a better home ERA for a first- or second-year pitcher. So – Obviously, the hope is that that continues in years going forward, and he can whittle down that road ERA. I think you know some of that is an element of some of his worst outings came came on the road. Just naturally, you know, he's had a rough outing in New York, uh, the Detroit outing I mentioned earlier. Um, you get a couple bad breaks here and there, and that that's going to bump up your ERA pretty quick. So I, I think you know he he said that you know part of the reason he gave himself that B minus grade was that not every outing was exactly what he wanted. And I think if you have that, you're looking at a pitcher who has that two-point-something ERA um, for the whole season rather than just in the first half. And now, you know, looking towards 2020, I mean, everyone can pretty much agree John Means is, is going to be the number one going into the season for Baltimore as far as the the starting rotation goes. And and do you feel like there could be any extra pressure on Means, you know, with, with even more pitchers gone, with Bundy gone, and, and so many question marks still – in the starting rotation for him to at the very least, just, just get those innings, get to 200 innings and be something the Orioles can fall back on every fifth day. Yeah. I think they're going to be really dependent on him. I think he is, you know, well positioned to be the opening day starter facing Garrett Cole uh, against the Yankees and whatnot. But I, I think he's a guy who is pretty laid back. So I don't know that the pressure is necessarily going to get to him, but he's just going to want to be the best he can be. And I think he's going to, I think the Orioles are going to be able to give him a little bit longer of a leash. Like I said earlier, there were a lot of starts where he was only pitching five innings. I think there's some, going to be some outings this year where they try to stretch him a little bit. Obviously, there's no need to, to put him at risk or anything, but I think he's a guy who, who showed more efficiency as the year went on, um, pitched a little bit more effectively um, in terms of pitch counting, having quick innings and inducing quick contact. That changeup was a really good pitch for him, but it also produced a lot of foul balls and then a lot of long at-bats and long innings. So I think he – um, you know, can make that more of a swing and miss pitch. That's why the curveball and slider become important as well to get a few more um, strikeouts in the mix and less, you know, long at bats based on foul balls. But I think, you know, if he if he's able to do that, become more efficient, he's able to pitch deeper in the games, pitch more innings. You also look at the aspect he started last year in the bullpen. Obviously, that only lasted for, you know, maybe the first month or so of the season. But he's a guy who I think with a full year in the rotation, he'll naturally add more innings. Um, but yeah, and I think now that he has a whole workload, a whole season under his belt, he's more accustomed to the workload and maybe the injury we saw and the time he spent on the shelf last year, we won't see because 
his arm's more used to it. You obviously never know what's going to happen with a guy's health. But I think he's a guy who, um, when you look at, like you mentioned, the number of question marks they have in this rotation, they're really going to depend on John Means. And the same is true last year. They just done Last year they had Dylan Bundy, obviously someone else they could depend on um, to provide you know, a, a five-inning start. But it, it's going to be a lot on John Means' shoulders this year for sure. But I think he's a guy who can, can't, excuse me, who can handle it. And we talk about the Orioles depending on him. So in 2020, you know, maybe this answer is different if Means is is the number, you know, three guy on a competing team or something like that. But he's the number one guy on a team that's probably going to win about 50 games. So so what do you what do you think ends up, you know, if the Orioles could have their ideal John Means 2020, what do you think that looks like this season? Uh, I, I think it's, you know, growth. I think it's a guy who goes out there and is averaging six, seven innings a start. It's a guy who's providing them. Um, that that length and that innings coverage. It's also a guy who I think is is pitching well for a full season. That doesn't have that that five start run that he had out of the All Star break. He's a guy who goes out there and he's happy with every outing. And obviously, naturally, there's going to be some bumps in the road. But I think they're just looking for progression. I don't think you know they're not they're not asking him to be they're not going to ask him to be an All Star again. I'm sure he would love to be, and he would, they obviously would take that output. But they also recognize that this is a guy who they just want to get better. They're, this is not a team that needs him to go out there and, and post a 2-2 ERA because they're fighting for a playoff spot. I think right now it's all about development. And, and what it, and you look at a lot of the projections, whether that's Fangrass or whatever it may be, John Means is not projected to have a great season, and that's because he's coming off what is really the first year in his background that was like what last year was. And obviously he's a different pitcher than, than what we saw throughout his minor league career. So he, he's a guy, I think, who's out there – who wants to go out there and prove, no, last year was legitimate. The pitcher I showed, like, I am an all-star and I can be an all-star again. And, and so I think, you know, the Orioles would take maybe not necessarily what they saw in, in the first half. I mean, obviously they'd, they'd love that. But I think if over the course of a whole season, he ends up um, pretty similar numerically-wise, 3.60 ERA. I think they'd take that. But just in a few more innings, you know, whether it's 180, 175, whatever it may be, if they can just get a full – healthy, competitive John Means season, I think they'll be very happy with that. And I think that's a good point. I mean, 3-6-0, you know, when you're not you're not competing in for a playoff spot, you don't need your number one to to, you know, be in the Cy Young race necessarily. But that's probably the biggest thing is is getting him some innings. And Orioles fans hope that every fifth or, or fourth day or whatever it is, they can see John Meads out there with that that great change up and the plethora of pitches he's got out there for the guy that right now seems to be the uh, seems to be the Orioles ace. What Nathan thanks uh, thanks a lot for for joining us and and talking about John Means, a guy who on a team with a lot of question marks seems to be you know someone you can pencil in and, and a bright spot on this Orioles team. Yeah, absolutely. Looking forward to watching him pitch, and I appreciate you having me on. So once again, our thanks to Nathan Ruiz of the Baltimore Sun for joining us to talk about John Means, and of course. With means, just to wrap it up, I mean, the Orioles looking for him, obviously, to be an ace. They'd love for him to take a step forward with the pitches, with the ERA, with the strikeouts. It would all be great, but Nathan really hit the nail on the head. The Orioles need him to throw some more innings. He threw 155 innings in 2019. If he can get up there, as he said, 175, 180, if he can push 200, we know the Orioles aren't winning a lot of games in 2020, but it'd be nice to have a number one who keeps that ERA around that same 3-5 eats up a lot of innings, can go deeper into games on a regular basis, and then they can go forward with means as then in 2021 they start to bring up the Grayson Rodriguez's, the D.L. Halls, and those guys, the big-name prospects to add to that starting rotation. 
So we hope you enjoyed this talk about John Means. Again, another of what will be many player preview episodes coming up before opening day on March 26th. And we do have another one scheduled for next week. Our next player preview episode will come next Wednesday, and we will preview Jose Iglesias, the Orioles' new starting shortstop, who they signed in free agency this year, and Jeff Carr, who is the host of the Locked on Reds podcast, will join us to talk about Iglesias. Of course, Jose spent his 2019 season in Cincinnati. Also looking forward this week and the beginning of next week, tomorrow on Friday, we will have our first mailbag episode. So make sure to send in questions or comments about the Orioles and we'll talk about them or answer your questions here on the pod. Again, you can submit those questions on Twitter at LockedOnOrioles or send them to me at ConnorNukem underscore. Or you can email us your questions at LockedOnOrioles at gmail.com and we will answer them on Friday's mailbag pod. Then next week on Monday, we continue our minor league preview and look back series with another minor league Monday, and we will be joined by Will DeBoer on Monday and Tuesday. It'll be a two-part conversation, part one on Monday, part two on Tuesday. And Will DeBoer, who is the play-by-play voice and the media relations director for the Loe Delmarva Shorebirds for the Orioles, will join us to talk about the great season the Shorebirds had in 2019 and what really helped them get to the top of the South Atlantic League, including Grayson Rodriguez, who they had all of last year, and what his stuff looked like and what his outlook is going forward for the Orioles. So again, we hope you enjoyed this one, and we've got plenty more content coming in the next few weeks as we lead up to the start of spring training. Make sure to... Give us a subscribe if you can on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you're listening and leave us a rating or a review if you can as well. It really helps the pod. This has been the Locked On Orioles Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network.